The 2022-23 NBA regular season is coming to an end in about two weeks. There will be a total of 16 teams competing in the postseason, 20 if you include those four that will fail to go through the play-in tournament. But there will be only one champion team. We have listed six likely candidates for the top honor, but each of them has their own problems that cannot be ignored. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host Li Xiang. Half of the six teams I'm going to mention tonight share the same problem. They all have an unreliable second in command. Let's start with the Western Conference that is led by the Denver Nuggets. They have two-time NBA MVP Nikola Jokic, who is not only likely to finish the regular season with a triple-double average number, but also likely to win his third MVP trophy in a row. Though Jokic has never been to the NBA Finals, he's already a top three center on the offensive end in NBA history. Also, unlike many of the NBA. MVP winners who was dominant in the regular season but slimmed in the playoffs. Jokic grew even better in the playoffs. He is nearly unguardable with trustworthy teammates around him. That leads to the Nuggets' biggest problem. They have been known for the flagrant gap between the starting lineup and the bench unit. Even though starters often play longer in the postseason, they can't be on the court for all 48 minutes. A seven-player rotation is already considered as crazy and overloading. Asked Houston Rockets under Mike D'Antoni in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Not to mention that the Nuggets recently found that their starting players may not be that reliable as they thought. The team's starting point guard and probably the number two scorer Jamal Murray should be called by me personally Schrodinger's Murray. Because he has been so unpredictable and inconsistent since he came back from injuries, the Nuggets had a little slump in early March, during which they lost four games in a row. During that losing streak, Murray played like a perfect bad example of a player who was teammates with Nikola Jokic. Murray shot too many unreasonable jumpers and passed like an amateur. When you were teammates with Jokic, you often have the best. Chances without having to take too many efforts. You only need to do the fundamentals right, but Murray just didn't. During his prime time, he was able to score over 50 points in two games in the playoff series, like he did in, against the Utah Jazz a few years ago. The Nuggets will definitely need him to be like that hero when Jokic's face is facing too much defensive pressure to do so. But before that. Murray really needs to learn and focus on how to make the smart choices, not the hard choices. He, what he needs to do is to shoot when he is open, not I want to take this jumper. I think I can pass the ball to Jokic, even if there is a big man trying to deny Jokic the ball. The second team I want to mention in the West are the Golden State Warriors. They share a similar problem with the Nuggets, but there are a lot of differences in details. The Warriors' best player is no doubt Stephen Curry. He showed how dominant he could still be with his performances during the NBA Finals last season against the Boston Celtics. But Stephen is not Jokic. Jokic shoulders over half of the Nuggets' playmaking. That's not how Curry plays. The Warriors' system doesn't allow him to do so either. And also, Curry is a guard. He doesn't have the size or the vision of Jokic, who can still find teammates in the crowd when he is double teamed. 
The Warriors' problem is that the team doesn't have a clear second in command. It's not Clay Thompson. True, Clay Thompson has now made 268 three pointers, more than anyone this season in the NBA. But if you watch the game, Clay is not the Clay he used to be when the Warriors kept appearing in the NBA Finals. Say when Stephen is double teamed hard and couldn't receive the ball, or someone was following him closely so he couldn't dribble the wall with enough space. Do the Warriors really want Clay to attack off the dribble? I know for sure that will be definitely what their opponents want Clay to do. Draymond Green is not the Warriors' second in command either. Sure, he's integral to their system, both offense and defense. And honestly, Draymond today is still one of the best defenders in the league. But do you really want to count on someone who averages a triple single to score when your team is desperate for field goals? And that's what today's Draymond is. He is a good passer, but he's also an offensive liability when he cannot benefit from the distraction of Stephen to the opponent's defense. The next on our list will be Jordan Poole, who played well in the Warriors' win against the 76ers on Friday. He scored 19 points in the fourth quarter, and I know that he is the team's hope for the future. But if you take your memories, say one week earlier, you will remember how disappointing. Paul was on the court. He doesn't have enough skills as a scorer to respond to playoff-level defense. When Paul's limited tricks don't work, he tends to pass without thinking. Unfortunately, he's not John Stockton. A lot of his turnovers are an unreasonable offensive cost can drive Coach Steve Kerr crazy. I know some of the Warriors fans may have unrealistic expectations on Andrew Wiggins, but I sincerely suggest. They drop what they think about Wiggins. Sure, Wiggins had great performances in the playoffs last season, but only because he is assigned simple tasks, which enable him to do what he does the best. Now, first, there's no telling when Wiggins will come back, or even if he will come back from the family matters he's dealing with. It's unclear how much time he will need to fit in the Warriors system again and to find his form back when he returns. If the Warriors want Wiggins to play a bigger role than the one he already got last season, they should really talk to the Minnesota Timberwolves that sent Wiggins away because they know Wiggins is not a guy for duties like that. The final champion candidate in the West will be the Phoenix Suns. They don't have a second man in command. They don't have a second in command issue because Devin Booker will be a qualified leader in many teams in the NBA. DeAndre Ayton can play the second in command role so well in most of the NBA teams. They also have Chris Paul assign everyone's duties, and all these three will play next to Kevin Durant, who is still an epic scorer. As long as the Suns remain healthy, they are theoretically unstoppable. But health can be the Suns' Achilles tendon. Durant played only 35 and 55 games in the previous two seasons, respectively. The number of his appearances this season will not surpass 50, even if he comes back. He is 34 years old and will surely shoulder a bigger role in the playoffs, which means he will have to play longer. How much longer? We don't know, but I'm looking at say 36 minutes to. Even 40 minutes when the series get really close, that means Durant will risk hurting himself again. And if, if that really happens, we know what the Suns will look like because 
we already saw them lose six of the seven games without Durant. There's also the problem with、uh, the lack of aggressiveness. The Suns are probably the least aggressive team among all title contenders. Both Booker and Durant are jump shooters. So is Aiton. Paul is too old to penetrate. In fact, he may not even have enough strength to stay competitive in for all four quarters in a playoff game. If the Suns suddenly see their shooting touch freeze on one night, they don't have a plan B to alter their offense. Sure, they won't stay cold for all four or seven games, but in the top layer competitions, one bad shooting night can be lethal enough. But it has to be said, after the Suns traded so heavily to acquire Kevin Durant, the only goal they should have is to winning a title. Any result other than that will mean they are a failure. Now we move to the Eastern Conference and start with the Boston Celtics. They don't have a second-in-command problem either because their biggest problem is with their ace Jason Tatum. He just set a new franchise record for 30-plus points games in one season. He surpassed Larry Bird to reach 40 games of those this season so far. He has also averaged 30 points per game this season. When Tatum is hot, he attacks like an MVP caliber. What should concern the Celtics are the occasions when Tatum is not that hot, and he is showing a tendency that he is unable to stay in a good form for more than two games, especially after the All-Star break. Tatum plays very typical moneyball game as he nearly doesn't shoot any mid-range jumpers, and he often shoots half of his half or more of his attempts from downtown. The Celtics can send a five-out squad to the court, but it's not perfect in spacing because they will always have someone who can be left open by the opponent's defender. If they want to wipe that, that will have to happen by sacrificing their defense. Like I said, Tatum doesn't have the mid-range jumpers' shooting ability. Neither is he an athletic slasher who can create space with his fast first step. When he has to. Battle a defender that who can either match him in size or is shorter than him, but has strong lower body. Tatum is not athletic enough to beat through the defense or to pull up directly to shoot the jumpers while keeping his touch. Wiggins, Wesley Matthews, and even Drew Holiday all gave him, all gave him trouble in the playoffs last season. Jalen Brown sometimes seems to be playing better than Tatum, but he doesn't dribble well in the crowd. When he scores team-high points, the Celtics are often desperate offensively and lose many of the games in the end. Honestly, Tatum should not be playing his role today. He is an excellent off-ball scorer, but the team also needs him to make plays. He is not wired like an orchestrator. He is overloaded already in regular time, but the Celtics often ask him to do more during clutch time, like carrying the offense off the dribble. That is just too much to ask from him. Although, again, I want to say Tatum is a great player. He is not playing the the role that fits him the best in today's Celtics. The third title racer in the East. Are the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid is now leading in the MVP competition and nearly clinches the scoring leader. He has reached his offensive prime in in aggressiveness, shooting range, and other skills. But like is revealed in their loss against the Warriors and the Suns today, both Joel and the 76ers really needed James Harden on the court. 
and Harden is their second-in-command problem. It's very respectable that Harden is willing to play as a facilitator next to Embiid, but Embiid's skill set determines that he has a foreseeable limit in both offensive production and efficiency, especially in the postseason. The 76ers will need Harden to stand out when Joel cannot carry the team, but Harden doesn't seem able to do it in his prime. Harden spends more time dribbling and getting to the right rhythm before he can give full play to his epic isolation skills. That's what his opponents capitalize on to contain him. They suddenly blitz him when he dribble after he dribbled 12 to 15 seconds, so he has to pass through his teammates who would have no time to deal with the play. Today's Harden is older and less athletic, but he has not developed even the fundamental off-ball skills. When he dribbles the ball, he either passes it to teammates or tries to complete a series of moves before charging the rim or shooting a three-pointer. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows what he's going to do and how to keep him from doing it. When Harden is on the floor with Embiid, he doesn't contribute much more than a, a ball feeder. When Harden has to carry the team, he doesn't have that his mojo anymore. Neither are the 76ers able to set the conditions for Harden to maximize his firepower. The final champion candidates are the Milwaukee Bucks. Many see them as the most likely final winner for good reasons. They have the league's best perimeter defender, Drew Holiday, and the best interior defender, Brook Lopez, who is also a productive three-point shooter with all-star level posting up skills. Giannis remains a, as dominant as he has been all these years. Chris Middleton is back as well. It's hard to say which is the Bucks' second-in-command, Holiday or Middleton. But one thing is for sure, Chris Middleton is not the guy who he used to be when the Bucks won the title in 2021. He is inconsistent, even as much as Jordan Poole, and Middleton has slapped a lot on defense. If he cannot contribute the offensive solutions when the team needs him to do so, not to mention that Middleton today already became a defensive loophole, the Bucks may want to replace him with someone else. The question is who? The last series against the Boston Celtics last season proved that the Bucks' lineup without Middleton is flawed, but like we mentioned previously, today's Middleton is not good enough to fix that flaw. Not to mention that he creates new problems in defense. Holiday will shoulder bigger defensive duties in the playoffs, and he has never been known for offensive production or efficiency. When the Bucks have to count on Giannis to do everything, they should know how it will end. A lost series in which Giannis dropped remarkable individual numbers, but it's still gonna be a lost series. Despite all the flaws I just mentioned of all six teams, I still I am convinced that one of them will be the final winner of the NBA this season. But I'm just under the impression that we may be looking at the closest NBA title race in over a decade. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully I will be talking to you guys very soon next week. See ya.